Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Just getting over a cold, I think, like everyone else. And other than that, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. I believe it was my mom and dad. They laid kind of the, you know, blueprint for me without realizing her. Um, my mom, as far as I can remember, she was a nurse. She was a licensed practice nurse, which is like, you know, LPN at that time. And she moved on to be a registered nurse. She always wanted to be a, what she would call a female doctor. But, you know, born in the 30s, it was a little difficult. And then, you know, she had kids. Actually, I have... Um, my mom and dad had seven kids, so I have sisters and one brother, my siblings. And um, my dad actually only went to third grade, and he became an entrepreneur in his own right, and he did well for himself. And actually, my mother, when my mother was a registered nurse, he bought, my father went into the bar business, um, and he actually accumulated five to six bars and two nightclubs. And I kind of them grow and watch our life grow differently from where we were to where we were on our way to. And I took note of that. And even though they worked longer and harder and more hours, you know, um, they were playing by their own rules. And our life was changed right before our eyes. We had better cars, better clothes. You know, um, I'm a little older than more, most people think. So... Yeah, we had, um, you know, a better lifestyle as I was growing up and I started watching it happen. And um, actually my first stint at business, I think I'm, I want to say I was, oh, I probably was in the 11th or 10th grade and one of the bars had a kitchen over top of it. And my dad and my sister out one day and we would be with my father all the time. And people, our neighbors would you know, talk about us all the time because we were females and we were in the bars, so to speak. Back in those days, in the 70s, it was not ladylike, but the bars were back in those days because, as I remember, people would dress up to come to the bars and then they had a specific lady, you know, where the ladies would come in and, and they would look beautiful. And then on Sunday, they would dress up gorgeous and then go to church, have drinks before they go to church and then come back <laughs> church and more drinks and I just you know I, I watched everything and I was always like a sponge always taking things in so you know, as I watched them progress I, you know I thought wow you know that's when the light bulb went off and I would be with my dad my we were the only two girls pretty much left at home me and my youngest sister and we would be with my dad all the time we would go to the bars you know he taught us how to you know do inventory which he used to always call FIFO, first in, first out, how to handle this, what we had to count money. And, you know, it's so funny. I pride myself on really counting money and counting money really fast and turning the money in the right side way. And uh, I go to the bank and people go, oh, wow, how did you, what did you, were you a teller? And I go, no, my dad taught me how to count money and put money in. So having a foundation based on respect for money and, you know, understanding what that meant at a young age and then having the opportunity at one point, not knowing if we were gonna be able to go to school, you know, to the university, we had that opportunity because they worked so hard. And um, I'm gonna digress a little bit because I wanna definitely answer that question. What happened was we had above one of the bars and my sister and I had went out with my dad one day and we went to a bar and they were selling chicken, <laughs> fried chicken across the bar. And I was like, it sounds good. Sounds familiar too. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you know, Dad. You know, we called him Green Bean because he always carried a lot of cash. And um, Green Bean, why don't you get us some wings to go? You know. And at that time, they were the full wing with the pit and the <laughs> not wing bean. So it was really interesting. So we had we 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 took some home. My sister and I. And she's a, I think my sister's maybe three or four years younger than I. 
And she started eating. She was like, well, Jane, you know, you can fry chicken better than this. And I said, I know, girl, I can. <laughs> so I said, you know, if I had a place to cook some chicken, I could make some money. And she was like, well, why don't you open up the kitchen? Why don't you ask Green if you can open up the kitchen over top of the bar, which was called Dolphin Street West at the time. And I opened it up and called it Karen's Kitchen because that's my first name. Jane is my second And my dad, the funny story is that um, I started making money right away, which money, as I saw it, was a lot for us. And um, I remember the third week, I made maybe five, $600. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really something. Selling out the chicken. And then my dad made up, I, I think, I'm not 100% sure, I think he made up a story and said someone broke in a bar and stole all the food, stole all the chicken because he was, he didn't like that the men from the bar were coming upstairs spending so much time with us while we were frying the chicken. And I had enlisted one of my girlfriends to help me. So we were like, I don't know, 14, 15 young people up there. And I would close the kitchen down at 9.30 and he allowed me to open it up at I think 5.36 when I got from school, after I did my homework and got home early enough where I had enough time to sleep and to take care of things there. So that was my first um, entrepreneurship. And I think um, the respect for money and understanding what to do for you. And if you, you know, worked hard and built your own foundation, you could really do well. And um, I can share with you, never had a job. <laughs> I had one job, which, I mean, I guess people would say it was a job. I was a flight attendant at one time in my life, and that was one of my first jobs. And to me, it wasn't a job. It was a vacation. Full-time benefits, you know, with the part-time job of flying wherever you wanted to go in your heart, wherever your heart desired, you could go. So to me, I didn't have a boss because I was up in the air, and I became the boss. I became the first flight attendant. So, um, and that was it. I was the first flight attendant, meaning I was what they call the ISM, International Flight Service Manager. So when you got on board, I was the one greeting everyone, telling you, you know, go aft, you know, so forth. Um, and that was um, pretty much one of my only jobs I really ever had. Everything else I created on my own. So. That was actually um, after. <laughs> I was a little old, and um, I had uh, left New York after I graduated from school, but I returned to New York, and um, that's when I quit acting and modeling, and I realized that um, really quickly that I liked making money, and I didn't want to kind of dictate when I was going to be paid or how I could be paid um, or choose me to be paid. So... Um, that was a quick stint, but I enjoyed it. You know, I had a stint on Sex in the City, and I did I did a lot of things, you know, when no one knew what Sex in the City was, that was me on there. <laughs> I enjoyed that um, part of my life, and I, I enjoyed going on auditions and understanding that, and that made me go into actually entertainment management, um, be behind the camera than in front of the camera. So, you know, I found that and a lot of people thought I should have been in front of the camera. So, well, I've had several careers in my life. Um, after flying, I, I decided, you know, I really wanted to have my own business and make enough money where I could sit in first class without having to be able to fly free because that's what I did. And I thought, what would it be like for me to pay for first class and sit there and like everyone else. And so I went into interior design when I knew nothing about interior design, but I got lucky um, because last years of my career as a flight attendant, I decided to travel around the world and enjoy myself. And I happened to meet, um, I decided to take a charter one day with a friend of mine called the Buddy Bid Partner at the time. And it was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I met one of the team players and told him I was an interior designer. And um, he, gave, he gave me the opportunity. I could, well, I could talk to talk because I had been all around the world. He gave me the opportunity to sign his house out. And um, 
that that was something that you know blew my mind because I really knew how to do it. And from that that time on, it was like a whirlwind. My name went through the teams, you know, the San Diego Chargers, the Eagles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My name just started flowing through the teams and being able to work. And um, I had the knack for being able to speak to, you know, a player and his wife or his friend or female, whoever he was dating without them even thinking about, you know, that I was interested in their party. It was always them together. And I knew how to isolate the couple, you know, when I was speaking with them to make them both feel very, very comfortable. And I think that was a good quality. Um, I think the confidence of being able to fly and meet people from all over the world, you know, from all walks of life and wanting to engage, wanting to know who they were, you know, where did you come from, what's your life about, you know, and I was always one when all the other flight attendants, um, which were the other black female flight attendants were going to LA, Chicago, New York. I was saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to Europe. <laughs> go here, something happened to this job, so I'm going to go see the world, and I, I, you know, I'm an American, I can always see America, which I haven't traveled too much in America, but I've traveled all over the world, you know, from Abu Dhabi to Dubai to, you know, Egypt to, you name it, I've been there. So it's really interesting, um, it's really interesting uh, when you have gone to all those places and you meet people, and I was always one to want to meet the natives. I didn't want to be a tourist. So, you know, I was by myself. So people would come up and talk to me, and, you know, next thing I know, I was hanging out at their houses. And I think that allowed me to, to gain the confidence to speak to anyone. You know, as a young person, I was only 23, 24 years old, so at 23, 24, you're very adventurous. You know, I don't know if I would get on I don't know if I would get on a plane and land somewhere and take a train to Istanbul by myself today. So it was, I was that kind of adventurous person. I would fly to Germany and go, okay, so what's going on in Germany? You know, that was me. So I think that's where the confidence level came from, you know, and um, not being afraid to try whatever I thought I could do. In the interior design, I knew I knew quality as opposed to quantity. And by traveling and seeing things and being in people's companies, companies that I never even dreamt I would be in, you know, people of unbelievable wealth, and they would share with me and take me throughout their homes. And I was like, wow, this is really, yeah, this is, okay, I've never seen that before. Wait a minute. <laughs> and they would explain to me all about the art and when they would travel and, and I mean, they were just very gracious people all over the world that I've met, and I'm still friends with a lot of them. So I think that's where my confidence came from. And then coming back home, it was not a deal to deal with anybody at home, you know, because they were, we were here. And it wasn't even that. It was like, you know, I know a lot of African-Americans. I know when I was growing up, it was always a fear to sit in front of someone of authority and speak to them. And my father shared something a long time ago. He said, I don't care who they are. I don't care what color they are. When you sit in front of them, you look them dead in their eyes and you speak to them. Don't start looking around like you're insecure. You're too tall for that. <laughs> what he always tell me, you know, listen, you need to stand firm and be who you are and always be true to yourself. And, and that's just who I am, you know. So I never thought about being afraid to talk to anyone or do anything I wanted to do.
get what I want, you know, and it's not always, you know, the thing is, you know, it's not always about money. I never worried about money. That was one part that I, I really um, embraced. And I said, you know, if you, if I continuously worry, and that's where the respect for a dollar comes into play, I think for me, when I worry, or if I had to worry about money, I probably would never have any money. So, you know, I take things accordingly. I know the money's going to come because I'm going to do the job. I'm going to do the work to get it. So I never think, oh, I got to become a millionaire. Oh, no, I, I'm going to be a millionaire. I don't have to worry about that. I know who I am when I look in the mirror. And a lot of people don't know who they are. And that's, you know, and I, I remember one girl asked me, she was an agent. I was working at Sotheby's. And she said to me, she, point blank, where did all this confidence come from? And no one had ever asked me that. And I, I just said, I'm just myself, you know? I mean, I'm not afraid to talk to you or anybody else. We're the same people, it's just people, you know? Right. Absolutely. I come from some fabulous background, you know. I tell people I, I had to ask my mom. I said, "How much was the house I grew up in?" She said, thirty-two thousand dollars." So holy shit! I wish I could pick up those now <laughs> and flip them. So <laughs> you know, it's really interesting when you and and the funny thing is, I always say, I said, you know, grow up in that, growing up in that house, it was like a mansion. I was running around like. A, you know, because we had our own bedrooms, you know, it never was a problem with anything. So, you know, I think just growing up happy and, and working and um, having the opportunities that were in front of us when I know at point, I didn't think I would have the opportunity to go to school, you know, and when it became an option, it was a beautiful thing and it was a choice. So, I met someone um, that uh, asked me, one of the football players' wives, who asked me that uh, I handle her business for her management. And uh, she was a singer, and she was related to a more, her sister was a more famous singer than she was. And um, I was at his house doing some work. And I remember her asking me, she said, you know, could you do some management for me? Could you help me? And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, I schedule and everything and help manage me. And I was like, I'm an interior designer. <laughs> and she was like, but I think you could do it. And I said, well, well, and then she said to me, she said, Jane, it's business. It's all the same shit. And I went, oh, okay. That light bulb came on again. And she says, can you do these, this for me? So I did, and next thing I know, I met another person and another person, and then I met my partner who was English at the time, who, was, who is English, and um, he was brilliant. You know, he could together a computer and take a computer apart, and he just knew everything about anything, the internet and what was going on. And um, we became partners and opened up our business. We opened up the inbound management entertainment company in New York. And, we went strong for a long time. I mean, we had relationships with Robert De Niro and uh, Law and Order, Paramount Pictures. I mean, we, we did really well and um, missed that a lot. Uh, I represent Michael Parker from America's Next Top Model, Franklin Smith, the Black Judge and Law and Order. Um, the brand new heavies became my client. I mean, we traveled around the world with them, you know, so. I was able to really embrace that part of my career, which, I, like I said, I was doing acting and modeling. So that flipped the script. And then I understood, you know, how to deal with contracts. I mean, I didn't know anything. I just flowed. So 
was happening. So it was kind of like a you know, journey for me. Um, so again. And what you don't know is someone like you. <laughs> you hire the experts. If what you don't know, you hire somebody. And and that my partner taught me that. He said, you know, we don't have to know everything. We just hire the people that do know most of the things that we don't. And it just made sense. Absolutely. Or, you know, they're afraid to stretch their dollar because they think their dollar and cents won't go far. But when you do stretch your dollar, you do find that you have growth amongst the team that you put together because that team will allow you time, you know, to shift and, and more moves. You know, it just depends on how you move. You know, as the young people say, I move differently. <laughs> Some people are something today. Oh God. I got married. <laughs> you know those men right? They'll make you move differently too. So um I got married. Uh, Back in 2010, and um, I, my, my husband, I met my husband, long story short, I met my husband when I was a flight attendant, you know, quite years ago. And in 20 years, we ran into each other twice in Manhattan, which is unbelievable. And the third time we ran into each other, we got married. So it was what I understand. Um, so uh, he lived here in Florida and asked me to come here. And I came here and I was like, okay, where is here? There's nobody here that looks like me. What's, what's, what's this about? You know, I, I know Florida. And when he said he lived in Naples, I was like, so where is Naples? Because I never knew anything about the West Coast of Florida, the Gulf of Mexico and Florida being haunted. Um, even, I'm not that geographically, you know, smart. <laughs> so when I got here, it was interesting because I was like, well, what am I going to do here? It's too hot to run. I was an avid runner, so I used to run all the time. And all I did is run, work, and party. That's what you do, you know, and that's a repeat. So when I got here, I didn't know what to do with myself, but I did have my real estate license in New York also. Uh, my interior design, I thought that would be a good, you know, match. <clears throat> and I worked with Belmont uh, at 59th and Madison for about a year when I had my license there. So I understood real estate, but I, real estate had changed dramatically. You know, at the time I was doing real estate there for that one you know, stint in my career, which it was when things were shifting and crossing. Um, book, and we would go through the book with the addresses and pick up the phone and dial. So that was interesting. <clears throat> so when I moved here, I looked around, I didn't know what to do. And I remember Tiffany's offering me a job, you know, on the floor. I'm going to service the people that I want to be. I'm that person. I'm standing, you know, behind a counter and, and sell people diamonds. I don't think so. So, um, so I looked into real estate and I started looking into it, but the, the country had started falling apart. We had, the market was crashing at the time. It crashed actually but I didn't get my license to 2010 because I had to kind of assess out what was going on. And uh, once I got my license, you know, I ran around in circles and chased my tail, so to speak. I, I would say three years of my career because I really didn't understand the business model of it. I didn't understand how to capture the market. Um, I think I was like everybody else. Um, 
I think I was like everybody else uh, trying to figure out how to do this business, you know, because it's not something that you know how to do. You just think, well, anyway, me, I thought, I'm not going to say everybody. I just thought, you know, I go out there, I show some houses and the houses are nice and we get a contract. You know, anybody can show a house. And then when I realized the real, you know, uh, part of that business was selling, being a real salesperson, selling, being a salesman, being a good one, you know, and I knew how to do that, but I had to still understand the business. So once I understood the business and put the marketing together and I started putting two and two together and started using my uh, skill set from being in entertainment and interior design, it was a package deal. And then I knew I wasn't afraid to speak to anybody, but I still had to go out, you know, at the bottom like everyone else does, unless you have that circle of friends. And I'll be honest, we did have a circle of friends of wealth, but it didn't matter because they weren't sure about my skill set at that point. They only knew me as the of my husband. So like I said, I chased my tail in maybe three years and then I, I, I left, I was with Keller Williams and I kind of out Keller Williams because I was doing volume. I was doing anything from 90,000 to 200,000. I was selling them like hotcakes. I thought, I'm looking in the magazines at people selling $5 million and $10 million properties and, and I'm still seeing nobody looks like me and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I can't do it. I just need to figure this out. So I got a coach and um, that coach changed my life completely. He made me accountable. He made me understand what my business meant. He made me really look at an itinerary and put it together and, and work from, you know, five in the morning to six at night and sometimes till nine at night and sometimes all night, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, once I became accountable, once I understood the marketing, once I understood that listing property was more important than just purchasing property for someone, because listing is what gave me notoriety. Listing is what gave me the skill set to go and sit and speak to anybody about selling their, you know, largest asset they will ever own, which could be anywhere, you know, five hundred to fifty million. You know, so here it is. This little curly-haired black girl went from selling $90,000 properties to 20 millions and more. So, you know, once that happened for me and, and I started looking around saying, wow, this is, you know, I'm kind of lonely. Where's everybody? You know, that, was, that was an eye-opener for me too. Um, being here, being able to do that and people trying to get in my head saying, well, you should be further because you know, you've done this, but because of this, you're not further. And I was like, wait a minute, get out of my head and get, let me get, get out of my way. So once I was able to conquer the market and, and uh, you know, get what I needed here, I, I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy. And then I started thinking about purpose, you know, and passion and watching, you know, young people that look like me not being able to do this or not knowing how to do this because they were afraid to. They didn't think it was available to them or, you know, uh, Well, you know, um, one, I'm in a city where, you know, there's not a lot of African-Americans here, not a lot of black people, not too many people that look like Actually, when I first got here, I was the only one here. And I couldn't get in my head like that. I never did that before. Um, traveling, you know, helped, I guess, with that. I never thought somebody looked at me because I was black, they wasn't going to give me a job. I knew my skills on up the par with everyone else. And I knew my marketing was, you know, far ahead of theirs because I came from New York City and I understood what it meant to really market something. You know, and I was marketing people. People are the hardest thing to sell. <laughs> so I was marketing people and I thought, well, this is a property. If I know every single nook and cranny and then I sit down with the lady of the house 
Lady House always want to tell you what she's done to the home to make it beautiful. They all fabulous. So once you sit with them and they tell you about the home, the only thing you have to do is articulate it to the next person that's coming to purchase it and make sure they themselves in that home. So I didn't have any issues with doing that. And and I had nobody else to sell to. <laughs> so who, who else? So I didn't, if I wanted to make it, I had to sell to the people that were here. So I never thought about it. You know, and I'll be the only time I thought about it is one time I was with um, someone that I had taken on as a partner and then they started talking to me about it. And I thought, wow, this is not good because this is not in my head. And then I speaking out about it. You know, I found myself saying, I need to find a platform where I can speak to other agents that look like and share with them, share with them what they need, the techniques, the skill set you know, how they have to handle themselves and look, you know, because a lot of people don't talk about appearances. <laughs> going up in somebody's $15 million house and they're used to the best of the best. And also the understanding that these people are very savvy, you know, so, and, and they're looking for someone that's going to say, yes, they're looking for, some, for someone that says I can get the job done. And they they want you to show them how you're going to get the job done. What's your plan of action? What's your because these people are at the top of their game. They, they either are retired and they are uber wealthy and you're selling one of their assets. Most of the assets I've sold and, and, and transferred and traded for people, they're not their primary residence. They're like their homes and these are 10 million and $15 million properties, you know? And then I have agents that come and sit in front of me and they go, well, you know, I want to be a million dollar agent. I've sold a million dollars. So I'm, I'm already there. I'm like, what are you saying? Please, whatever you do, don't say that out of your mouth to anybody in public. You have to do this consistently and you have to have a track. And you have to know how to get in front of these people and sell yourself. You know, once you, and there's plenty of people behind you waiting for the job. So you got to be good. You know, and the first thing they're looking at is as soon as you get out your car and you walk up to their door, you're being judged. It's not the reality, you know, um, unfortunately and unfortunately, uh, million dollar listings change the game for everybody. But what they forgot is, or, you know, the public forgot is these guys are, they're being, you know, they're exposed. They're, you know, they have millions of people watching them. They have, you know, Brioni and, 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 and uh, you know, all the designers you think throwing clothes at them. They're wearing four, five, and seven, you know, $1,000 handmade shoes and suits that cost, you know, $5,000. You can't afford that. And you can't go out here and mimic that because you don't make that kind of money. So these guys have so much exposure. But again, it made them up their game. They have to look good. They have to look a certain way. Um, if you can't afford to drive a Mercedes or you know a Range Rover or a Jaguar, you can't. And, and most agents, you know, especially when they start out, they might only close one deal or two deals the first year of their, you know, career. They're reaching for the stars before they even understand how to climb. And that's the unfortunate part, you know. Um, and, and then they don't understand, you know, putting together their package to sit in front of these people. You know, you're, now the game has changed again. The buyers are gone because we don't have any properties. We don't have any images. How, how are you going to get in front of those sellers? How are you prospecting? You know, there's two ways of prospecting. You know, and I, I remember, uh, it's funny, I was talking to Kiana. Kiana had a, Kiana Watson from Watson Pro. Yeah, she called me and she was like, I want you to do a, um, a uh, session for my agent's tools for success. And she said, you on cold calling. And I went, you mean prospecting? And she was like, 
cold calling. I was like, and I was a little confused, didn't realize that she taught prospecting to buyers agents. That was a different way of prospecting. My prospecting was definitely getting on the phones. I don't know any other prospecting. So it was interesting when she asked me that, it kind of put a light bulb in my head. I was like, oh, wow, she's right, you know? And, um, but a lot of agents don't do it as far as, you know, the cold calling. But what they don't realize, this is what stockbrokers do. This is what insurance companies do. Every day, there's about five to 10 people calling you to sell you something. Depending on who has the best line, that person is going to capture your attention. Exactly. But, um, you know, a lot of them hate cold calls. But that's how I made my career. I got on the phones three hours a day, calling people who I did not know because I knew if I called people I did not know, they will eventually get to know who I am. And depending on how many people I called, exactly, the numbers don't lie. You know, if I'm dying three hours a day, I'm probably hitting 90, you know, 90 to, I would say 200 people. Maybe I'm going to hit 50 new contacts. So, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care what business you're in. And not only that, they give you, you know, um, you have the numbers. There, there are services out there that send you all the numbers you need, drop them in your database every day. You can cherry pick, just use the service. But a lot of agents, you know, they, um, I wouldn't say afraid of it. They're intimidated by it because you're talking to Yeah, you have to have resilience and you have to be committed to what you want to do. You know, and the more you do it, the better you get. And I, I'm proof of that because I stuttered, you know, slurred my words, got nervous, but I called them back and called them back and called them back and it prevailed. And I'm going to tell you the first time someone said, come and see me for a house over a million dollars, it was like the rainbow stars and everything came out and I got that deal, you know, so <clears throat> it really depends. And I always thought if I get in that house and I sit in front of them, I'm going to walk out that door, maybe not with a signed contract that day, but guarantee you they're going to call me back in a couple of days and get a job. You know, so I never worried. I just went and did it. Once I became good at it, it was like, <laughs> it was so easy. Because you have it together. You know exactly what to do and how to unveil your strategy. And All those opportunity words, consistence, resilience, you know, there's a fine line between persistence and pushiness. You have to find it. Um, you have to be able to articulate what you want to say to people, especially when you get in front of them. You cannot, don't let them see you sweat. That's so true. You have to go there and be confident who you are. And once you do it a few times, believe me, the confidence will come. And you know yourself. You just know what you're doing at that point. You know, it's like anything else. But uh, but this is what they got to understand also, agents, is this is high finance. This is not just selling somebody's home. You can get yourself a problem if you don't know your contracts. You don't know the stats, if you don't know what's going on. Contracts change all the time. I mean, you're an attorney, you know. So, you know, all of the, for all of the prettiness and looking good and walking around with the best shoes on and the best handbag and all that madness means nothing if you don't know your business because it can be snatched from you immediately if you get it wrong. Uh, pretty much what you just said, giving back to the agents that look like me. 
some that don't look like me, they need help too. But giving back to them and sharing with them that they can do this and they can create amazing generational wealth. You know, I'm not talking about English, I'm talking about being wealthy. If they stick with they do the right things, you know, making a little bit of money is fine. And that it depends on what that means to you and what wealth means also. You know, driving around in a nice car and not being able to pay for it is something different, you know, or five or ten thousand dollar bag and you really don't have any money and you're carrying that bag like it's everything to you. Um, so it's important for them to understand that this is finance. This is high finance. This is business. And if you do your business correctly, you can win. And you know, I, I went to Selling Tampa um, and I mentored girls in Selling Tampa. Uh, I went to their uh, premiere and I was so proud. Oh my God, I was just like, irrespective of what the show may be or whatever, you know, it's TV too. So we have to understand. But just these beautiful women on the screen. And of course, I'm waiting to see, you know, ladies who listen to Atlanta or ladies who you know, wherever the title is. Yeah, I can't wait to see them. I think it's Friday. I won't be in town Friday, but I'm definitely taping it. But I, I'm so proud. And like I said, I'm pretty, I'm older than the rest of them, <laughs> but to see them actually up there doing their thing and looking good and, and you know, spicing it up a little bit. Yeah, and confident. And I listen to what they say and I'm saying, no, 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 that's, you gotta, no, that's not how it works. But, um, but most of them, for the most part, it's the beautiful thing. And I just felt like, screaming at the top of my lungs. I told my husband, I said, they heard me. They heard me saying, you know, all these years I've been on, you know, this thing here, IG, sharing with them that they can do it. They can be it. They can live it. And, you know, I see them living it. I see them going to different exotic places and, and hanging out with people and connecting and networking and networking helped me. I networked with every single person I met and, that's a part of it too. No matter where you go in the world, open that up to yourself. You know, don't be exactly, and don't be a tourist. Become a native where you are and understand where you are and learn. So you know, I'm I'm just so proud. Like my heart, I was swelling up when I was there, and I was saying to myself, "This is beautiful." I see these young people really doing it. You know, so excited, and um. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so proud of that. And with that being said, you know, another part of my legacy is the Luxury Live um, event that we do once a year. I just did my second year, and for the first time in my life, I felt successful. And I said, yeah, I said to my team, the people that walked in this room were excited to be here. They were happy. This was a room that they want to be in. And uh, that being said, we're doing Luxury Live 2022 in LA. And I'm going to co-host it with my good friend, Eric Miles from Miles Beyond Ordinary. Um, he's Compass. I used to be with Compass for a few years. And he and I did Art Basel together. Um, so Luxury Live will be our end. So look out for that. Yeah. It's going to be in November. We're going to try and keep it. It's going to be in November um, 2022. And we're definitely taking it to LA. It's going to be much bigger and much better than it was the first two years because now we understand where we're headed and who we're targeting. Um, it's for the top agents that look like me in the country. And I want them to yeah, I want them to come and, and share with the other agents that are still trying to climb. And I'm really proud of that. So that's pretty much my legacy, Luxury Live 2022 and forward. No, thank you for being on here. I mean, 
I'm so glad my sister, she was like, did you make sure to call? I was like, okay. <laughs> no, but I'm happy out to me. Um, I'm excited that, you know, you wanted to speak to me. I'm always available. No problem at all. They can find me at Jane Bond underscore 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 on IG or, you know, we have our website, which is uh, www. What is that? <laughs> um, and that's about it. I mean, I'm rarely on Facebook. Uh, I'm not. My platform is Instagram and I'm very rarely on there, you know, just try and do what I can. Stay abreast. But that's where they can find me at Jane Bond underscore underscore underscore. The Bond Agency, yes. I'm here in Naples. Um, you can find me, like I said, at www.tbagcy.com. That stands for the Bond Agency. In short, um, if you want to look me up, you can find me, send me a text, slide into my DM. I'm often questions because that's where people find me and please do not forget to read my book it will really help you you can find it it's called um how to land your first million dollar listing and it's really easy on amazon it's a great read guys um it'll help you in your career and give you some inspiration so it's not a informational book no it's a story Absolutely. I need your help. I'll be calling you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sabine.